The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. So, there we are. I always feel a bit like a vandal, you know, destroying the peace, silence, and <laughs> probably people just getting into the meditation. So, so welcome to the Buddha Loka uh, Centre, Buddhist Centre, this evening for the Monday night meditation. Um, so this is, as usual, we have uh, a guided meditation. And uh, I'll just introduce myself for those that don't know me. I am Ajahn Nisarano, and uh, as you may have guessed from the accent, I'm an Australian monk. <laughs> Some people don't, actually. <laughs> but I'm in Sri Lanka, where I've spent a lot of time, people often say, oh, we've got a broad accent. <laughs> don't think so, but nevertheless. So, um, and I ordained with Ajahn Brahm in uh, Western Australia about uh, 25 years ago and spent uh, almost 14 years in Sri Lanka um, and eight, year, eight of those in a cave, which is, was a lovely time, a very comfortable cave too. So um, it was very a very uh, wonderful experience actually to live in a Buddhist country and uh, be living in the forest in a cave. Very nice, very natural. So, and as usual, we have the um, introduction. This is part of it. And uh, the uh, after that, the guided meditation, roughly 45 minutes. And then uh, Q&A, or comments, questions, and complaints. So, are there any people here who are meditating for the first time? Anyone? No? Oh, that's good. That's good. I was getting ready for it. <laughs> But uh, so that's good to, because uh, otherwise it's it's quite a uh, for them forty five minutes. I think wow, <laughs> that's a marathon. So, and this evening, as always, I like to have a theme for the evening, and uh, the theme was suggested by we each week we listen to a recorded talk, the most recent recorded talk of Ajahn Brahm from. Uh, Bodhnyana Monastery in Western Australia. And now is the rains retreat, so he's giving these talks every week, except he's on retreat this week, and uh, uh, yes, this week and last week, actually. And uh, he gave a talk that we listened to last Friday called The Freedoms of Life. And um, it was an interesting talk because one of the freedoms you know, is is actually something that comes up in meditation quite a lot. And that is the freedom he spoke of was nothing to do, nothing to do. Usually nearly every meditation I do, and everyone I hear with Ajahn Brahm too, is we start with uh, coming into the present moment and there's nothing to do. I always add now, because people... <laughs> People think, well, that, you know, you might think that, but for this time, we dedicate the uh, the uh, period of time for meditation, and there's nothing to do now, and there's nowhere we need to go. And that sort of settles the mind and helps it let go a little bit of the busyness of the day. And hopefully um, it brings with it, you know, some peace and uh, this sort of sense of, uh, as I say, letting go of things. So this evening we will do a, uh, the guided meditation will be a mantra meditation. I think most people uh, heard of the mantra sort of meditations. There's always 
lots of them, <laughs> um, lots of mantras. But if the mantra is very meaningful, it's it's much better, really. Um, so uh, the mantra, of course, will be nothing to do now. That's that, that's the one that we can try out, and it's it's a quite interesting because. Uh, I like nothing to do now rather than doing nothing. Because a lot of people say, when you ask them, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing nothing. <laughs> but they're usually doing something, actually, <laughs> looking at their phones or, or whatever, you know. So it's, uh, this, uh, when we are doing nothing, of course, it's, it's usually coming from the sense of me and I. I'm doing nothing. And it's all the doing that we have in, we do in life. Is, off, is very much, a lot of it, is about the sense of identity. I'm doing this. And it's a very, we identify a lot with our doing, and especially often with our work too. And I, th- I thought, you know, we have that saying, don't we? I think, therefore I am. Heard of that? That's Rene Descartes. <laughs> I don't really know a lot of philosophy. But I thought, you could say, I do, therefore I am. And I think that's actually quite true for a lot of people, that they, uh, it feeds into the sense of wanting to be useful and capable. Um, and this is one of the real sufferings for people when they get old, isn't it? That uh, they can't do as much. And in a society that's geared as we are to, you know, uh, people working and contributing in that way, being useful, being capable, old people get very marginalized because they can't do the things that they used to do. And so it's very important for them, of course, to develop the um, develop this uh, ability to do nothing, to, to get in contact with just being uh, and being inside. And being at ease, being comfortable with ourselves is a very, very important thing, which a lot of doing really covers up, doesn't it? You know, we, we try and keep busy. And uh, for this, um, using this mantra, it's often very useful to find things that work for you, that trigger this, this uh, uh, feeling of nothing to do now. Because meditation is really driven by feeling. Even if you use a word, um, it's the feeling that it gives you that's very important, that can take you deeper into the meditation. So feeling is an essential part of the meditation. It's really, and you can really use it. I'll answer a question that I heard was asked yesterday after, during the talk, actually. It was quite an interesting question. I didn't actually read it, but I'll ask because it relates to this one. So we really, what we can do with this mantra too is have a visualization. So visualizing, for instance, powering off the phone, turning off the phone, turning off the tab, turning off the iPad, whatever it is, turning off the TV. (laughs) It's pretty old-fashioned. So just that idea of just turning off these things that, so that there's nothing we have to engage with. There's no emails we have to do, nothing we have to answer while the phone's off. <laughs> and uh, another aspect that can be very helpful, and Anjan Brahm was talking about this in the talk, the week before, actually, the last talk, and this is 
um, the idea of using the in-between moments in our lives when we are waiting, waiting for the doctor, waiting for the dentist, waiting for all sorts of things. Uh, and those times, even being on a bus, even being uh, on a train, being on a plane, we are sort of in between, aren't we? We haven't arrived where we uh, are going. And this is a good opportunity just to be. Of course, and I think you've all seen it, I've seen it. <laughs> what does everybody do when they get on the bus and the train? <laughs> they're going through, scrolling through all the messages, the Facebook or whatever it is that they're interested in. So they're very, quite busy actually with that, occupying themselves. So these can be valuable times just to, to let things be and say to ourselves, ah, nothing to do now, and just be. And this is a good training for us because most of us aren't used to being in the present moment. We're always occupied with something, you know, we're looking at things on devices and, and uh, that sort of thing. And uh, I saw a, um, a nice title, subtitle of a book, by John Kabat-Singh, who's one of the um, famous people for uh, promoting mindfulness in the U.S. And it's called Mindfulness for Beginners. They always have these <laughs> books for beginners, don't they? And the subtitle is Reclaiming the Present Moment. Because it's, that is, I thought that's so true, reclaiming the present moment. Because we, it's, it's lost from our awareness. Uh, to a big extent. And one of the things that you often hear when people start to meditate, well, they say, uh, I have heard it said, you know, what exactly is the present moment? And, uh, of course, it's this, whatever this is at this moment. This is the present moment. And so it's some, some, something that we're not really acquainted with, something that we can get a feeling for. And it's actually an area where we can uh, just let the future and the past be. And they really imprison us, especially the past. And the future can be exciting or it can be fearful, can't it? So it's very important to be able to um, just to come to this, uh, this zone I call the oasis, you know. We can just be in the present moment. And we can develop that habit of being in the present moment. And uh, it's, well, I see it in Sri Lanka, actually, uh, from my time in Sri Lanka. These villagers, they can just sit there on their verandas and do nothing. <laughs> they're not looking at phones. <laughs> they're just there. Of course, they're watching what's happening on the, on the road and things like that. But they're just there, you know. And so it's, it's something we've lost, actually, because of the, uh, particularly the internet. We're filling everything up. With uh, all the time, with something we're paying attention to, we're not paying attention to ourselves <laughs> and just being. And another, apart from the uh, the idea of powering the visualization of powering off a device, the other one we can use is, of course, this in between moments. You know, just like we're in a waiting room. And the third one is one that Anjan Brahm uses a lot. And that's the stop sign. <laughs> you know, stop signs when you're driving or when you're walking, you see stop signs. And he says, it's a reminder just to stop. 
because we don't stop very much actually when we keep going 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 and you notice this too with the with the uh, devices the all that engagement with the internet we can just keep going till we're dead tired i've seen it with myself too you just get caught in it so this ability to stop is very valuable and especially you know just to stop in the present moment but it's also very good morally if we can say stop when we feel like we're getting into a territory that's a negative it's an unwholesome sort of uh, action or speech or even thinking you know if it's getting really negative just to be able to say stop <laughs> this this is no way uh, I won't go there so this is um some things that can support the meditation this evening these visualizations this uh, these three and uh, as i say we're all uh, really addicted to doing this is a, a fact of life actually uh, when when we finish one thing we're often thinking what next we do this in the meditation too don't we think oh, what's next what's next which means we're not really satisfied with what we're experiencing now which is uh, uh, can uh, make will mean that the meditation doesn't go deeper doesn't become more peaceful and we can hardly enjoy what we've done can't we i i see that so often we do something and then we're on to the next thing we can't even sit back and just say wow that was good and that actually that's actually a very good thing to do isn't it really whenever you've done something to actually just uh review it and just feel a sense of satisfaction you've done that and that's quite good rather than running on to the next thing on the list the, the as i call it the tyranny of the to-do list you know the list of i've got to do this that and the other and we tick them off so these are and sometimes of course a, a lot of doing that we engage in we have to do isn't it we have work we have uh, we have to make a living and we have to uh, run a household so there's paid work and unpaid work and these things are necessary there is a lot to do in uh, our lives and because i think sometimes uh, people may think oh those monks what planet are they on well, nothing to do you're joking <laughs> we've got so much to do but of course even in a monastery there is quite a lot to do as well and those that have been to newbury uh, uh monastery you see you know especially for the nuns there's a lot of work looking after the food looking after guests and so on and the monks the maintenance of the monastery bit of building and those things but we now have the rains retreat the annual 3 months retreat period and that is a time when there's nothing to do or less any actually we we only do the things that we need to do so uh, this this is so it's a, it's it's a we feel that you can feel the difference in the monastery when this we're not having work periods during the week we usually have um five work periods and two days off but it's only in the morning so it's not a lot of work but uh, some of the work we've done at like last week one of the monks was pulling a dead kangaroo out of the dam because he said it would uh, you know lead to botulism this uh, um uh, poisoning the water for the birds the ducks that, that use the water and other birds so so there's always something you know to to deal with in uh life
uh, when we live uh, in a human form and uh, we, we live in samsara, there's always going to be things to do. So that's a good, good thing to remember. And of course, a lot of our doing is, uh, quite a lot of doing, is, is not actually absolutely necessary. Is it? It's really entertainment. But I know a lot of people, they, they feel like, well, they can chill out when, when, they, when they're looking at the device and reading the news or watching YouTube videos or whatever. And I think that has some value because at least it cuts across, doesn't it? the work, what's been going on during the day, particularly if it's not been pleasant or, you know, it's been difficult or, we, you know, we just want to change what the mind is focusing on. And we do that, we, a lot of people do that with video games or whatever it is that they are watching on their devices. And that can be skillful, but it can also be, can't it, like a distraction, really, just keeping us distracted. All um, virtually the whole time, you know, instead of just being with ourselves and just um, finding um, pleasure, enjoyment, happiness in being here in the present moment. It was a very interesting experiment, yep, experiment in the US where they asked, uh, these were college students, and they asked, it wasn't a large group, I must admit, they asked these college students to sit in a room, one at a time, sit in a room with nothing much in there, a chair, and uh, there was a buzzer. But this buzzer, if you pressed it, it gave you an electric shock. Isn't that interesting? And uh, they said, you know, you just sit there without any devices, you know, not texting, not watching anything, and just sit there with, you know, uh, and just be there you know, be with your thoughts, be with whatever the feelings are that are coming up. And uh, they said, but if, if you wish to, there's the, uh, the uh, buzzer and you can, uh, it will administer an electric shock. And they got them all to try that. And, uh, they, and uh, they asked them, well, would, would you pay not to be shocked? And they said, yes, yes, it's really unpleasant. It's really unpleasant. And so they did this experiment. And what did they find? 70% of the men actually pressed the buzzer and <laughs> shocked themselves. And, but this is interesting, the women here will say, oh, yeah, right on, right on. 25%, only 25% of the women did, did that. So it's really interesting, isn't it? It can't be with ourselves. We, we uh, you know, are so used to occupying ourselves, keeping ourselves busy, we often talk, it, talk about, don't we? And when we don't have that, Anything is better than nothing. And uh, so uh, these people were shocking themselves. And the, these uh, researchers in uh, the uh, University of Virginia, they also did uh, a study of people, at older people at homes, in their home, and it was sort of self-reported really um, from their side. And they found exactly the same, actually. It was very hard for them not to you know, get up and do something else, distract themselves. Not, couldn't sit, sit for 10 or 15 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes. It was just too hard. <laughs> so it's an it's a interesting, um, interesting thing to reflect on. And it tied in very well with uh, uh, a saying from a famous French philosopher, Blaise Pascal, which is all of humanity's uh, maybe I've got the exact quote, actually. 
Let's see. All of humanity's problems stem from a person's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Ties in very well, doesn't it? It's a really good saying. It was probably true then, (laughs) believe it or not. And that was in 1654. So it's amazing, you know. But now it's even more so, I think, because we've we've got 24-7 sort of engagement or possible engagement, you know, because we can uh, be on the internet and we can call people and we can have video calls and we can do... uh, uh, use the social media, get in touch with people. So, and a lot of it's driven, of course, by boredom. I think fear of boredom. It's it's one of the things you know definitely uh, drives people to occupy, fill in their time as much as possible. But of course, the one of the things we tend to do too is the meditation. <laughs> this is one of the things Ajahn Brahm is often talking about. He says, stop trying to meditate. <laughs> Just let it happen, you know, because this is it. When we try to do the meditation, that really causes problems for the meditation. Um, we interfere with it. We don't allow the mind to settle down. And we try to run the show. We try to control things. And in the process, it disturbs the meditation. And usually, when we try to do the meditation, we've got a list of things that we want to achieve, what results we wish, you know. You know, really deep meditation, maybe what they call the jhanas, insights, maybe even enlightenment. It's a lot to ask for in one meditation. <laughs> but uh, So this is how we tend, uh, we can tend to try and do the meditation driven often by thinking that technique is the main thing. I used to think that, you know, you get the right technique, fine, you know, you've got it all sewed up. And uh, I remember uh, there was a book by Sri Bhagwan Rajneesh and it was called The Book of the Secrets. Fantastic title, isn't it? <laughs> really good, everybody will want to buy it. <laughs> and it had 500 meditation techniques. I thought, wow, that, that's it, I've got it. <laughs> But it, uh, of course, it doesn't really do the job because a technique, as uh, Ayakima, one of my teachers, a famous German Aussie uh, uh, nun, Buddhist nun, said, any technique, a technique is just a technique by any name. That's what she would say. But what is important is, is what works. And of course, what works is to have the the, the uh, a wholesome feeling, a good emotion, uh, have a good attitude to what we, we are uh, doing in meditation. That's far, far more important than any technique. So uh, that was very interesting, the book of secrets. <laughs> so, and I know uh, just to one famous meditator in Thailand, this is Ajahn Ganha. Anybody heard of Ajahn Ganha? Probably none of you have. <laughs> Some have. I think Yasmin has. A few people have. He's very famous. And they asked him, how do you meditate? What do you do when you meditate? And he says, I do nothing. I do nothing. But for us, to do nothing is really difficult. <laughs> it's quite a, quite a thing just to uh, let things be. But he can do it. And he just he says, I don't do anything. And it reminded me of an American uh, mindfulness teacher, 
uh, Sylvia Borstein. She wrote a book which has a great title, I think. It's called Don't Just Do Something, Sit There. <laughs> it's the opposite of what we usually say, you know. Don't just sit there, do something. You know, so it's a good reversing it. And I think that's, that's quite a, uh, a, a skillful thing to do. So... So this is a way we can stop uh, the momentum of the mind and just be there with ourselves for for the time of the meditation. And it's good if we think, you know, only I'm only doing this, doing this <laughs> for the time of the meditation. We may be able to just keep that in mind, so then it makes it manageable for us. So stopping is is something we can learn and can be very useful for us. Yes, so it's a, and of course, this ability to stop is wonderful. Um, This ability to, nothing to do now, using that, is wonderful because most people are very busy. And to have those little breaks where they can, we can do, we can, there's nothing to do, so we do nothing. And that's, that's lovely. So I think that's probably probably enough actually. Yes. So th- that's the uh, introduction to nothing to do now. So and I, let's see how we go with it. And hopefully you will find uh, that you can um, it, it can lead to letting go, letting be the past and the future and just being with yourself for this time of the meditation. Of course the mind will wander off um, to the past and the future, no problem. And we just come back to the mantra, nothing to do now, or just of the visualization, you know, like uh, powering off the phone, turning off the phone, or, you know, being in a waiting room where there's nothing to do because you're waiting for it to happen. And the important thing Ajahn Brahm emphasizes was lovely. He says, we're waiting without wanting. That's, that's great because most of the time we want so much. Doing is a big part of wanting if you want to do. So we're waiting without wanting anything. And that's a great way to allow the mind to settle and to actually um, take a, uh, sink in to nothing to do now. So this is uh, uh, well worth developing uh, in the meditation and in our lives to just get a break <laughs> from the momentum. So now if you'd like to find a comfortable position, if you're not already comfortable, I think uh, just see if... Uh, Just check out how the body is. It's a good idea, a quick toilet break, I think. So we can close our eyes and settle into the present moment.
this letting the past and the future be. They've ha- the past has happened and the future hasn't happened. Maybe completely different from what we expect. So we have this opportunity, nothing to do now and nowhere we need to go just for this short time. And all of us deserve a bit of a break, a rest and time for ourselves. And to begin with, we can pay attention to how the body is. And maybe for those who'd like to, we can move the shoulders just to make them a bit more relaxed. And check out if the body is uh, balanced. The head feels uh, balanced over the shoulders and the shoulders over the hips. And the back reasonably straight but relaxed. And the hands, they can be on our lap or on our knees, as we find comfortable. Now we can begin relaxing the body mentally, very important. Starting at the top of the head and including the back of the head, side of the head, and relaxing and soothing those areas with this uh, warm, kind attention to those areas. And we can move the attention to the forehead, and the, around the eyes, the cheeks, around the mouth and chin, and soothe and relax those areas with this kind, warm attention. Now we can move down to the neck, all around the neck, giving the neck this mental massage, relaxing it, soothing it. And now bringing to mind the right shoulder, starting at the neck, and moving along the right shoulder, soothing and relaxing the right shoulder, letting go of any tension, tightness, stiffness, letting go of the burdens of the day.
Now bringing to mind the right arm, starting at the top of the right arm and including the elbow, wrist, hand and fingers and bringing this mental massage to the right arm, relaxing it, soothing it with this warm, kind, gentle attention. Now bringing to mind the left shoulder and starting at the neck and moving along the left shoulder, soothing it, relaxing it and relaxing those any tightness, any stiffness, any tension in the left shoulder. Now bringing to mind the left arm, starting at the top of the left arm and including the elbow, wrist, hand and fingers and moving our attention down the left arm, giving this mental massage with warmth and kindness. Now bringing to mind the back, starting just below the shoulders and moving our attention down the back, relaxing, soothing, with this warm, kind attention.
And now bringing to mind the front of the body, starting just below the shoulders. And we can move our attention down the front of the body to include the chest, the diaphragm, stomach and abdomen. Soothing, relaxing, with this warm, kind attention. Now bringing to mind the right leg and starting at the top of the right leg to and including the knee, ankle, foot and toes. You can move the attention down the right leg, relaxing it, giving it this mental massage with warmth and kindness. Soothing the left, the right leg. And now bringing to mind the left leg, starting at the top of the left leg and moving our attention down the left leg all around it to include the knee, the ankle, foot and toes, giving the left leg this mental massage, relaxing and soothing it.
And now we can become aware of the whole body just sitting here now. Relaxed, comfortable, at ease. Now we can bring to mind that mantra, nothing to do now, nothing to do now. And we can, if it's helpful, visualize turning off the phone or waiting somewhere in a waiting room or even a stop sign. Nothing to do now. And we can get in touch with the feeling that comes up, may come up, from, from this mantra, nothing to do now. Feeling of being free, of rest, of letting things be. And we can just be aware of the present moment, just however it is. There's no need to change it, to improve on it. There's nothing to do now, just for this short time. Just letting things be as they are, reminding ourselves, nothing to do now. Just being with ourselves.
just aware of what is happening in the present moment. Sounds, feelings in the body, whatever is happening in the present moment and remembering nothing to do now. And if the mind wanders off to the past or the future, we can just remind ourselves, remind our minds, nothing to do now. Or we can remember the visualization of turning off the phone, just being in a waiting room with nothing to do now, just to be here now
And now we're coming close to the end of the meditation. So we can share whatever feeling has come up for us from this mantra of nothing to do now. Whether it be a feeling of peace, being here, being present, being more mindful, being more aware of the present moment, whatever it is. And we can share this feeling, whatever we have developed during the meditation, with everyone here in this hall and everyone listening to this guided meditation wherever they are. May they have more peace, more stopping, more periods of nothing to do now. And we can share this feeling of nothing to do now with all those people and beings that we're close to. May they have peace. May they be able to rest in the present moment more often. And we can share this feeling of peace or uh, of understanding, of stillness, of being here now with all those beings around wherever we are now, here around this hall. And for those listening, all the beings around where you are now. And to expand that and expand that. so that it covers the whole of the earth. And we can 
develop the aspiration to remember when it is an appropriate time. Remember, nothing to do now. Just to take a break in the present moment, to be in touch with ourselves, to be at peace with ourselves. And we can just review the meditation for a short time. Just to check up, how do I feel now? Is it different from when I started the meditation? And Did a feeling arise when I thought, nothing to do now? Or was there no feeling, there wasn't a noticeable feeling? Nothing to do now. And was I able to just let things go, just to let things be and be with whatever is happening in the present moment, remembering this mantra, nothing to do now. And what did I learn from this experience? Now I'll ring the bell three times. I'm on the third ring. If you'd like to come out of meditation, slowly come out of meditation, you're welcome to. Those who'd like to continue, please continue. So we can, for those who wish to, slowly open the eyes and to move the body.
For those, uh, if, if anyone has a question or a comment they'd like to make, you're welcome to ask it or speak it now. And then there's a microphone. Oh, thank you for the meditation, Ajahn. I actually did have a question myself. Oh, right. Oh, good. Um, where in the Noble Eightfold Path would we put this um, nothing to do? Uh, meditation. Yeah. yeah guided meditation. It's really with mindfulness, actually. Uh, when we use mantras or are coming into the present moment, uh, this is really the area of mindfulness. And of course... You know, when we come into the present moment, when we are more mindful of what's happening in the present moment, it can become continuous. And then the mind starts to become much, much steadier. And then it, then it heads towards or develops this uh, one-pointedness, the mind just coming together, usually focused on a very pleasant feeling within ourselves. So this is the direction of it. So it's actually right mindfulness, aiming at right mindfulness, and then right samadhi or right stillness in the Noble Eightfold Path. But also, when we, um, uh, when we practice something like this, uh, it's also right effort too, because at, when we are developing a positive, a wholesome emotion, uh, like peace, just stopping, being still, uh, and letting go of the negative states of mind. This is right effort. And this is needed if we are going to be mindful because it's very difficult to be in the present moment if there's a, a lot of wanting, if there's a lot of trying to get rid of things, if we feel really dozy and sleepy, very difficult. And if we feel restless and we're worried about what we've done and said um, in the past, or we are doubting, you know, Am I doing it right? That's usually <laughs> usually one of the things, doubting it. So this is overcoming uh, uh, these negative qualities, the hindrances to the meditation. And that make, makes mindfulness possible. And then it makes this stillness or samadhi or uh, one-pointedness possible too. So it's just a, uh, pointing the mind in that direction. And for each person... You know, it, it uh, will depend on what works for them in, in the meditation and finding things that allow us to, um, to let go of the past and the future and just to be here uh, and allow the mind to settle down. It's not, as I said, we're not doing it. <laughs> it, it will happen by itself. Um, if we get the conditions right, then, then this uh, sequence of right mind, right effort, right mindfulness, and right uh, samadhi, a right stillness will just develop by itself. It will, will be the tendency of the mind to go towards that. So that's that's really what we're aiming at 
with this um, nothing to do now meditation. But as I said, it's really hinging on feeling. Um, if we can get develop a feeling, uh, a positive feeling, <laughs> not a negative feeling, positive feeling, then that will enable the meditation even more. Because what that does is it removes the negativity in the mind, reduces it anyway, and then allows us to be present. Because all this, the negativity in our minds, whether it's wanting, not wanting, and so on, just keeps us busy. And it doesn't allow the mind to settle down. So this is the aim. We're always trying to find um, skillful ways to allow the mind to settle, to, to bring up a positive emotion that will um, reduce the negativity in the mind, to make them, to allow the mind to really sink in to the present moment. And uh, this all helps. But it really depends on what works for each of us. And we can be creative about that too. So uh, hopefully for some of you, uh, nothing to do now works. Uh, I find for me it does. You know, when I think, oh, nothing to do now, great. <laughs> you know, and uh, as Ajahn Brahm called it, it's a freedom in our lives where we've got nothing to do. Um, if we appreciate it, some people will, of course, if you say to them, oh, there's nothing to do, they would sort of, oh, panic. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> I'll find something anyway, you know, desperately. But if we develop this appreciation of nothing to do now, it starts to, uh, we start to get acquainted more and more with that feeling of being present, of leaving the past and the future behind and allowing the mind to settle in to the present moment, to sink into the present moment. And um, this will happen naturally by itself. So that's the area that we're looking at when we um, do a guided meditation like this. It's not classically, you know, you're probably, probably thinking, you know, well, focus on the body or focus on the feelings or focus on the emotional states or focus on Dhamma. These are the four areas of mindfulness that the Buddha mentions. And they're all very good uh, areas. But so it's sort of uh, a bit of all of those things because when we are in the present moment, we'll be aware of the body. We tend to be aware of feelings. We tend to be aware of the state of the mind. And uh, and if we know some of the Dhamma, we can, focus, we can see what we're experiencing in terms of that. So this is, uh, um, you know, the area of mindfulness, really. Very important. So, let's thank you for that question. That's good, yes. Because usually, um, and I, I think when I ask for, are there any questions? It's a test. And you all passed. <laughs> because you've got lots of questions, it probably means the mind was pretty busy and uh, wasn't doing, was uh, not experiencing the, the sort of piece of nothing to do now, just letting things be for the moment. And so this is um, a good sign when we don't have a lot of questions. So good, yeah, it's working. Because this is the, um, uh, the preparation for the mind. When the mind becomes peaceful and still and it's got let, let go of a lot of the negativity in the mind, it's very reduced, then 
we've got a chance of seeing things in a completely different way from what we usually see. And this is the area of what often you hear of vipassana meditation. This is the area of vipassana meditation. Clear seeing, that's what it translates as. And the only way we can see clearly is if all the the mind is still and all the, the negative qualities in the mind have gone temporarily. And the more they've gone, the more clarity we will have. Because all the wanting, not wanting, <laughs> tiredness, dullness in the mind, restlessness and uh, worry and doubt will disturb the ability of the mind to see things really clearly. And that way we will see things in a uh, we can see things in a totally different way and in a depth that we've never experienced before. And it will be a seeing that will bring a lot of happiness and a lot of joy because we, st- we, we will realize, ah, we're understanding the nature of reality, understanding the nature of experience, understanding the nature of life when we see very clearly what's going on free of as I say, this wanting, not wanting, that's driving our lives most of the time. So it's uh, something that's uh, very, very worthwhile to do, very worthwhile to do. And it leads, the Buddha is teaching those, as a path to reconditioning the mind, to opening the mind to reality, and then to liberating the mind from being reborn again and again and again. And this, the Buddha says, is the highest happiness when we can see the nature of reality. We know what it was all about. <laughs> and uh, so this is, this is uh, where the meditation is taking us. So it's a, it's a wonderful path to follow, the Noble Eightfold Path, which is, uh, I've been, well, I wasn't talking about it yesterday. I was talking about the first bit about the middle way yesterday. So this is a preparation for developing the Noble Eightfold Path. So that's the area of uh, that we are focusing on this evening, if you're wondering. <laughs> and I'll just maybe just answer, is there any online questions? I wonder. Um, yeah, we might just have time for one online question. All right. So... I might just answer one from yesterday. I didn't see this question, but I thought it was a very interesting question. It was obviously um, focused on my, the approach that I, I uh, have, have taught this evening, and it was something along the lines of, it was just reported because I didn't read it, that uh, when we develop a, a, a positive emotion or a, 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 are we creating an emotion that we can anchor the meditation in. Isn't that artificial, something along those lines? And of course, I I thought, wow, that's quite a good question, actually, because it's really, because this is what I teach, actually, you know, to bring up a positive emotion and then use that as a basis for Bring, uh, for the usually for the breath actually to calm the mind down, and so it can be with the present moment, be it the breath or the mantra, whatever it is, and uh, to use that to take us deeper. And I think for many people, they may think, "Well, this is artificial. We're creating it." But in actual fact, I think it's 
It's something we're conditioning the mind, we're encouraging the mind, we're training the mind to develop these positive emotions more and more. To begin with, of course, somebody who is not familiar with that will think this is artificial, it doesn't feel real to me. And of course, you know, initially it may seem like that, but when we develop uh, an emotion, a positive emotion again and again and get really into it, it will become part of our character. Unfortunately, in the West, we have the idea, many people have the idea, I'm just like this, whatever this is. I'm an angry person. I, I, I don't feel kind towards other people. I don't feel generous to other people, whatever it be. But they don't re- we don't often realize that we can actually change that. That can be changed by training, by inclining the mind in that direction to being kinder, being more generous, being more understanding. These are things we can develop. The mind isn't uh, uh, preset. It's not, it's not uh, like concrete. Um, and this is possible with training, inclining the mind in that direction. We will develop it into a habit. It will become part of our character, our personality. And so the idea of actually working with the mind is not something that a lot of people are are familiar with. They come more from the idea, well, I'm like this, as if it's forever. And in actual fact, when we look at our minds, we see how much they change over time. And they take on the qualities that we um, uh, incline towards, that we focus on. Uh, So we can, as it were, recondition the minds. And this is what our minds, and this is what I'm actually teaching a lot, When we do that, we're heading towards what I mentioned before, right effort, which which is in uh, avoiding negative states of mind. If we know what brings up negative states of mind, of course, it's well worth avoiding those things. If we, um, you know, if if we see things on the internet that really churn us up, and we decide, look. It's not worth it if if I see that. I know I'm going to be really upset, whatever it be. If we avoid that, fine, that's really good. And once we have a negative emotion arising in our minds, if we can let go of it, able to let it uh, uh, dissolve, let it be, not, uh, not continue with it, then that's great. But the shortcut is always developing positive states of mind. If we have positive states of mind, we don't have to avoid negative ones, we don't have to let go of uh, uh, negative uh, emotions because we've got this positive emotion. And then the Buddha says the next thing we need to do is maintain these positive states, you know, to give them um, strength and continuity. And of course then it will become part of our character, part of the way we see the world. And this will be a big, big plus in our daily life and it will make meditation a lot, lot easier if we're coming from a positive state of mind, inclining towards that. So this is why, you know, the, the approach that I think is very, very useful. And of course, if we're unfamiliar with that territory, if we were unfamiliar with, say, generosity, kindness and whatever, it may feel artificial at the, to begin with. But if we can connect with it, 
if we find, yeah, yeah, there's, there is a real feeling there, then we can develop it and make it grow uh, by repetition. We, whatever we repeat again and again, that will become the inclination of our minds. That will become the habit of our minds. That will become our character, our personality, whether it be positive or negative. And uh, often people are more used to, they don't realize quite often that by repeating getting angry, by repeating um, depressing thoughts, by uh, repeating lots of uh, greedy or selfish thoughts, we're strengthening those qualities in ourselves. But the reverse is also true. We can develop, we can repeat again and again positive uh, qualities, bring them up, bring connect them with these emotions and use them uh, for happiness in our lives and in our meditation too. So this is something very, very useful. And I know Ajahn Brahm, he's, he's always saying, isn't he? he says, that meditation is not thinking, thinky-thinky business, it's feely-feely business. And I think once people get that, once they understand that, that our lives are driven by feeling, not by thinking, rationality, that can be in, influence our lives for sure, but feeling is what drives, drives our lives, drives our um, meditation too. So that was the sort of, I don't know if I got the question right, but I, thought, I think that was the idea behind it. I didn't see it. So I think with that, we're a little bit over time, so we can, um, I think that's probably enough for tonight, is it? Yeah. So thank you for coming this evening, and uh, I hope that uh, you can develop this feeling of nothing to do now and use it or similar things to just become more peaceful in the present moment, more at ease with ourselves in the present moment. And we don't need to seek out the electric shock. <laughs> Find the buzzer. So uh, I'd like to finish there. And if those who would like to, we can just pay respects to the Buddha, Dhamma and the Sangha to finish off. <laughs>